can say his name. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you. Hey, before you sit down, give somebody a high five, a fist bump. Tell them they look marvelous today. Tell them their outfit's crushing it on this Crush It weekend. Okay. Hey, does anybody have a Bible or electronic device with the Bible on it? I kind of don't know why I switched over to this. I kind of like the hard copy. But if you got it, Bible, electronic device, hold it up. Let's make the bookstores glad or the Apple store glad and the devil mad. And let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Do you get it? This is a weapon, right? If you believe that, then repeat after me. This Bible has the power. To change my life. To change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector. Cindy Flector. Faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. So I know I'm in the right place today. All right. This is our Crush It weekend. And that scripture is in Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so the question is, what do you need to see crushed in your life? That's what we're believing for. And there was a lot of stickers on those cars out there. Anywhere, anything from, you know, a situation in their marriage, the enemy got in and they need something crushed. There was a physical thing. A lot of stuff about fear and anxiety. I even saw Fortnite on there and a few things. You just never know. And uh, things are just kind of got a hold of us or the enemy's using to uh, get victory in our life. And uh, so we want to see some victory this weekend. And maybe you're here because somebody invited you. This is our family and friends weekend. And maybe your family member or friend and they told you about the car getting crushed. And uh, if, now we don't like to point out new people. We know you don't like to get pointed out. But if you're here for the first time, just kind of wink at me or a little wave. Or if there's a family member, just point at them. And then I'll, then I'll know. So we got a few people. Well, I'm going to talk to you today. First of all, uh, you might be new to the church, maybe first time here, and, and uh, we're gonna, it's going to be encouraging today, okay? It's not going to be a lot of fire and brimstone. Matter of fact, there was one pastor that just was really hitting it hard, you know, on heaven and hell and just really, you know, telling everybody how hot hell was and just how bad it was. And, and then he had this statement. He says, every member of this church is going to die and stand before God for judgment. And he felt pretty good about saying that and figured he shocked people a little bit. But he noticed the guy over to the left was smiling. So he said it again a little stronger. Every member of this church is going to die and stand before God for judgment. And he smiles a little more and he says it again. And finally, real loud, every member of this church is going to die and stand before God and face judgment. And the guy, big old smile on his face. So he got out of the pulpit and he hurried him. when he was done preaching, he got and trying to get ahead of the guy before he left. And he just kind of caught him. Hey, I haven't seen you here before. What's your name? And he says, he said, I don't quite understand. When I said, you know, every member of this church is going to die and stand before judgment, you were smiling. Why is that? He said, well, I'm not a member of this church. So... So you don't have to worry if you're not a member, but it's easy to join. Come to our Connect class on Wednesday night. I'm going to kind of share my God story and go along the path of five Ds. And these five Ds are words that will help you get victory in your life. And I think you can apply them to anything if you're trying to reach a goal or something you want to accomplish, something you want to see happen in your life. And the first word is dream. Say dream. So you need to have a dream. You need to have a picture of where you're going or what you're doing. You just don't 
go on vacation. Hey, kids, get in the car, and you just, where are we going? I don't know, and just start driving around in circles. I mean, that might be fun once in a while, but usually if you say, hey, we're going to Disney World, boom, everybody's locked in. They got a picture of it. They're excited about Magic Kingdom, whatever the case may be, and you have a, a way to get there and a destination to go to. You know, it's that way with life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, without a vision, people perish. Another version says, without a dream, people wander aimlessly. So a dream is a picture in your mind of, a, of something of the future, some sort of a picture of vision. You know, for Henry Ford, it was a picture or a vision of a Model T in the driveway of every butcher, baker, and candlestick maker. You know, for... Um, what's his name? Well, first of all, for... The great evangelist Billy Graham, for him, it was a picture of thousands coming to the altar while the choir was singing, Just As I Am. And for Martin Luther King Jr., it was a picture of two kids that were sitting on a seesaw, oblivious of the color of their skin. And, you know, that was his vision, that people could get along together. And for me, there was a point in my life where if somebody asked me what I was going to do, see, I had a dream of playing pro football. But for me, if somebody asked me when I was a freshman in high school, I'd just say, I'll be a farmer or a teacher because I knew if I said that, they would laugh at me. Because my freshman year in high school, I almost weighed 100 pounds. Now, I know if you've been in the Connect class, you've heard my story, or if you've been in our youth group over 15 years ago. I know Ty was up here singing. She's probably heard it a couple hundred times. But it's still my testimony. And we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And last night, uh, 18 people stood up to give their lives to Christ. And we're praying today even more people. Maybe even here. And you'll kind of see what I'm talking about if you're kind of new to the thing called church. But I had this dream. And like again, I didn't tell anybody because First of all, I grew up in a very small town, Clay Center, Nebraska, town so small the welcome sign and leaving sign were on the same post, 23 in my graduating class, 22 on the football team, and even with 22 on the football team, I still didn't get on the field. I was just on the sidelines, and every Friday night, I'd run up and down the field. I'd be cheering for my teammates, go, 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 and I know what your cheerleaders go through, because every Friday night, I lost my voice. The next day, a marching band, they'd make fun of me because I couldn't talk, and I had a lot of opportunity to kind of quit and give up. And my sophomore year, I'm back out again. Didn't step on the field. Could have quit. But my junior year, now I am grown up to a whopping five foot seven, 135 pounds. Still not very big, but a coach sees me working hard and says, hey, you're going to be my starting quarterback. And so you can imagine the way I feel. Well, this first game's coming up, and I've never stepped on the field as far as a real game, and now I'm the starting quarterback. And I remember stepping on the field, and we're in Dorchester, Nebraska, uh, just kind of a corner, you know, Field out in the middle of the cornfield, no and standing room only, no bleachers, of course. And when I got out there, I remember them announcing me. They're starting for the Clay Center Wildcats. It'll be Mike Ulmer, number 11. I go running out of the field, and I feel like I'm getting smaller and smaller. By the time I get to the middle of the field, I feel like I'm about two feet tall. And I got 10 guys waiting for their captain, their leader, to call the play. And I'm staring at the ground. I have actually got tape on my hands with all the plays, but I went blank. I literally froze up. And the running back, Larry, starts tapping me, Mike, you got to call the play. you got to call the play. I finally got up enough courage. I looked him in the eyes. I said, you call the play. And he honestly had to call the play. I went up to the center. They snapped it. I gave it to whoever was back there. And once I got that first play up from under my belt, then things got worse. Uh, our, our minds have a way of just for, I don't remember much about that game except the feeling of wanting to quit and give up because I know everybody in my town saw me just be a failure. 
And my dad's waiting on the sidelines. He's got a roll of lifesavers, make me feel a little better. It kind of did. But the coach is there, and he puts his arm around me. He said, okay, now, Mike, I know that wasn't the best game, but we just got to think of some of the positive things. So we stood there about three or four hours, and finally he come up with, hey, you completed two passes. Now, next week, we'll complete them to our teammates. And that's the way my career started. I went one more week with two more interceptions. So my career is four interceptions as a quarterback, no completions. So I think that's opportunity to quit and give up. Senior year, played a little running back and went off to a small college called Doan College in Crete, Nebraska. And I get there and it starts off about the same way. By now I'm about 155 pounds, so not really very big yet. I'm starting to grow a little bit and get faster. Freshman year, I didn't think I didn't even step on the field. Sophomore year, I started going down on a couple kickoffs and it started playing me a little more. But here's what what happened my sophomore year. I started getting pretty fast. As a matter of fact, I started running hurdles, and from my sophomore year to my senior year, nobody beat me in the hurdles. And went on to the Nationals and was an All-American hurdler, and my senior year got the attention of some pro scouts. Ended up signing the Chicago Bears, played eight years of professional football, some with the Eagles and in Canada and the US of L, kind of bounced around all over the place. And I'm sharing that because in that dream, I had a lot of opportunity to quit and give up. But the thing about that dream, that dream put me in a spot for God to get a hold of me. Because see, what happened is I went to a chapel service. And it's a little a Bible study before the football game. And I'd go there because I saw Walter Payton go there and I'd follow him. Or I'd, I thought God had seen me be good luck. Or, or maybe the coach had seen me and think I'm a good guy and play me a little more. But I just ended up in this chapel service. Now, I was raised Lutheran, and in that little town, I had a good background, you know, good Bible, you know, kind of understanding, catechism and all that, but it was kind of up here and didn't get down to my heart, and I got off to college and was just really, you know, going the, the wrong way. And I was in this chapel service, and I didn't realize this older gentleman that was talking that day, his name was Dr. Ira Eshelman. He was the guy that started all the chapel services in Canada and the NFL, and that day, he just said one, and I'm at a place where I'm thinking, Okay, I had to really be fulfilled in my life. I mean, I got a nice girl, nice car. I'm playing pro football. But inside, I felt like, man, there's just something missing. There's got to be more to life. And I'm thinking this. This guy draws a circle on his chest. He said, you know what that is? That's a God hole. You can try putting whatever you want in there. You can try putting sports and money and, and cars. It'll never satisfy you. The only thing that'll satisfy you is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And, man, he's got my attention. It feels like, man, I'm just the only one in the room, and he's speaking right to me. And then he shares what's called the four spiritual laws. God loves me and has a plan for my life. I thought, man, that sounds good. God loves me, and there's a plan for my life. And number two, that because of my sin, I'm separated from God. Has anybody sinned here? I mean, the Bible says we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. And then he says, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Through him, you can know and experience God's plan and his love. And I knew that from Sunday school. But the last thing he said was really got my attention because I hadn't heard that. He said, you have to individually ask Christ into your life. And that's the part I wasn't doing. I was waiting for something supernatural to happen. And I, I say, okay, God, I know I'm not, you know, living for you. And I had a kind of a fear of God, but I'm going to go do this. And when it's time for me to serve you, you know, do that big audible voice out of the sky. Say, hey, Mike, serve me. Or a bolt of lightning, something to get my attention. And man, you got me. But that wasn't happening. I realized that day it came down to me making a decision. So you not only have to have a dream, but you got to make a decision. 
okay? Because you can sit around dreaming all day, but until you make a decision, a decision that causes you to take a step, and that day I realized, hey, if I want to go to heaven, I have to make a decision. I have to take a step and ask Christ into my life because I realized he's not going to force his way in. I had to give him permission to come in. And I tell you, I said a simple prayer. I raised my hand, repeated a prayer after him. And after I said that prayer to ask Christ into my life, you know, nothing supernatural happened. In other words, no angel showed up to give me high fives. There was no bolt of lightning. But I began to have a peace and a sense of purpose in my life. Matter of fact, he gave me a little book called 12th Man in the Huddle. It was testimony of other pro football players that have given their life to Christ. He wrote the date, April 14th, 1984. He said, you're going to look back on that date and you're going to see a change in your life. And man, you know, maybe you don't notice anything that day or that week, but you look back and things begin to change. A matter of fact, four days after that, my wife's pregnant for, for our first child, six and a half months pregnant. We got a couple days off, and she got some terrible pains in her side. I have to rush her to the hospital. They do emergency surgery, and we have a baby two and a half months early that only was three pounds and three ounces. I walk in the neonatal intensive care unit, and it's more of a nightmare than, you know, what I had a picture of a baby. And she's in an incubator. There's a machine doing the breathing for her. There's tubes going in and out. A buzzard go off. She stopped breathing. She stopped breathing several times an hour, and they just tap her to get her to breathe again. And every day they would say this. We've, we've got CAT scans we're taking every day. There's not enough gray matter in the brain. You know, she's not going to walk or talk. You need to be prepared. They were saying that. And I kept telling my wife, I don't know, but everything's going to be all right. See, God spoke to that to me, and I didn't realize that. It was this thought I got when I went to the chapel service when all this was happening. It wasn't a chapel service. It was just chapel in the hospital because I couldn't get a hold of anybody on the phone that could pray with me. And... I had that thought, everything's going to be all right. I kept telling that to my wife. I realized that was God speaking to me. And you know what? God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what I'm talking about today. Not religion. I'm talking about a relationship where he'll walk and talk with you. It was no big audible voice. And let me tell you what God's voice sounds like. A lot like your voice. Those thoughts you get in your head can either come from God, the devil, or yourself. And the more time you spend in church, in the Word, you'll begin to realize, okay, that's God's voice. It'll never go against His Word. And it always has that, that peace, and sometimes it's the quieter voice. The enemy's the pushy voice, and yourself is that kind of, oh, let's go do it. Two, two weeks later, they say our daughter has a condition called hydrocephalus, and the brain's continuing to not absorb a spinal fluid. They have to drill a hole in her skull and put in a shunt to relieve the pressure, and, and you know, she's in the hospital two months, and, and we finally get to bring her home, and I have to go off and play a football game, and there's complications, and my wife takes her back, and kind of make a, a long story short, uh, they were getting ready to do another surgery, and the doctors came and we did another CAT scan and, you know, for some reason, I mean, it looks like she's had the surgery, but we're not going to do it today. And the nurse said, well, tell them what else. Well, when we did that CAT scan, the gray matter, it just looks different. I'm here to tell you, God did a miracle in my daughter. And she's 30-some years old now, married. She graduated from Redwater and I give God all the glory. But, you know, I had this dream and through that dream, God got a hold of me. I had to make a decision to follow Christ, but you got to be determined because I'm telling you, sometimes when you take a step for Christ, all H-E double hockey sticks will come against you. And, and, and I, I had a choice. See, when I asked Christ into my life and that thing happened with my daughter, I could have got mad at my wife for doing too many aerobics or something. I could have got mad at God and say, well, if this is how Christianity is, I quit and give up. But you know, in my heart, I said, you know, I know I need to trust you, God. Whether my daughter lives a week, a month, a year, or a hundred years, I'm going to trust you. 
And in my case, this turned out good. And I know in your case, you might have been through some situations where things didn't turn out so good. But I'm here to tell you today, God is for you, not against you. You know, a lot of times, well, why do all the bad things happen, Pastor Mike? Well, first of all, there's sin in the world. And it rains on the good people and the bad people. Amen? So you got to make a decision. you got to be determined. you got to be disciplined, too. And the reason you got to be determined is because things will happen. You'll stumble, you'll fall down in your, your, in your way to your dream. I mean, you heard kind of what happened on mine. But I'm telling you, failure is not a fact. It's an opinion of the enemy, okay? It's not a fact when you got God on your side. a matter of fact, you look at successful people, successful people fail more time than the average person. Because they're trying more, they're risking more. As a matter of fact, if you've heard of Babe Ruth, he struck out 1,330 times, but he hit 714 home runs. John Creasy, the English novelist, got 753 rejection slips, but he published 564 novels. It's all right to fall down, but you can't stay down. You've got to get back up. And I'm telling you, Jesus can help you do that. He really can. And the last D is you've got to be diligent. The word diligent means just make a steady effort. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, how do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. And, you know, yard by yard, it can be hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. You just got to take it one day at a time, especially in this Christian walk. You just got to go one day at a time. I'm going to kind of pause here at this point of the message. And I'm going to ask you the question that that man asked me many years ago. He said, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And I'm going to kind of do that in the middle of this service because I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't have Christ in your life, the rest of this message will make a whole lot more sense if you have Jesus inside your life. And you could be here and you might think, well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure. Well, first of all, this is for sure. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace in your life. I mean, you, don't find, you might find a little peace, you think, at the end of a joint or the bottom of the bottle, but the only way you find real peace is through the Prince of Peace, and his name's Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, again, he's for you, not against you. You want to boil my philosophy and religion down? It's good God, bad devil. I mean, there's a God that loves you, has a plan for your life. There's a devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm telling you, God won't force his way in, but I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to ask Christ into your life so you have the creator of the universe inside you. So I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes for this. This is not about joining the church right now. This is about you and God and God knocking at the door of your heart. And I know there's some people in here. We've been praying for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I count to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand long enough for me to see it. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm giving God permission to come into my life. I want him to come on the inside. I've never done this, or I've gotten off track, and I know today I need to get things right with God. So if that's you, just hold your hand up. One, two, three. I see your hands back there. I see your hand over there. Anybody else want to join in this prayer? I see your hand over there. Amen. Amen. God bless. I see your hand. God bless you. Give him a hand clap. You can look up here now. Amen. I'm proud of you. Amen. Let's just say this prayer to make it official. Just repeat it after me. Every, how many have done this before? And you've asked Christ in your life and you're, and you're excited about it. Repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you, come into my life. Change me. Give me the power by your spirit, to help me follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now let's give Jesus a hand clap. You know the Bible says, if one person would have done that, the angels in heaven would begin to rejoice. Amen? I'm telling you, I'm excited for you. And I'll talk to you a little more at the end of the service. But now I want to talk... Uh, this word crush, we're talking about crush it. I want to take the word crush, and each one of those letters is going to be a word, kind of a little handle for your suitcase to take this message home today so you can remember it because I'm telling you, uh, God wants you to see you get victory in your life. Amen? And the first word is change. Say change. Okay? Because if you want to see a change, you've got to make a change. And I'm talking to some people that have been in church quite a while. But you're still struggling with some things. You trip over the same thing. As a matter of fact, if I would ask people, especially in the Bible about, are you a Christian? It could be 90% plus would say, oh, I'm a Christian. But does it look like 90% are living like Christians? Sometimes even in the church, you kind of wonder. And so if you're, what I've noticed in my life, see, I kind of did the religious thing and I even one time said that prayer to ask Christ into my life, but I didn't really see a change in my life. And that was because I think I had just enough religion to inoculate me from the real thing called a relationship. See, a relationship costs you something. Religion is cheap. A relationship is where God can shift you in a different realm. Religion tries to shape you. Religion is spelled D-O. You have to do this and you have to do that. A relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. It was done at the cross. See, religion tries to conform you. A relationship will transform you. You'll be born again. God wants to have a relationship with you. And if you want to see some things crushed in your life, I mean, forget the religious stuff and start to have a relationship. Amen. A relationship is where you get to know somebody too. You start walking and talking with him through prayer. You start reading his love letter called the Bible. And I'm telling you, that's where things begin to change. You can argue philosophy and religion, but it's hard to argue a changed life. And I'm here to tell you, man, God changed my life. Has he changed any lives out there? I'm telling you, there's lives that have been changed. He really can. He can do that for you today too. So change. The R is rely on Christ. Say rely. Okay? See, we have a tendency to lean on our own understanding. We have a tendency to rely on our own strength, our own wisdom. We rely on ourselves. And I think even more so in the South, and especially men in the South. I mean, give us some, you know, duct tape and some baling wire and some WD-40. We can fix anything, make anything run. There's just something about that self-dependency, self-sufficiency in the South where you can, yeah, I'm a country boy. You know, I can skin a catfish. I can bait a trout line and, you know, I can survive. Matter of fact, you know the difference between a zoo in the South and a zoo in the North? See, a zoo in the South has the name on the cage of the animal, but they also have the recipe. That's when you know you're in the South, all right? You know you're a Southerner if your dog and your wallet are both on a chain. You know you're a southerner if you think a turtleneck is an ingredient for soup. You prefer your keys to Q-tips. Uh, when the dog texter comes to your house, he has to call for backup. That could be my house. Uh, you have a homemade fur coat if you're from the south. And you know you're from the south if your wife says, Honey, could you move that transmission so I could take a bath? Yeah, that's, that could be me there, all right? 
But we, it's a self-sufficiency. You know, when I grew up, it was John Wayne, and, and you looked at him as a hero, and you had to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, whatever that meant, and, and now it's the rock, and he can save the skyscraper and the whole bit. And, but we tend to, you know, lean on our own strengths. We don't want to ask for directions, advice, money. We can kind of do things ourselves. We're powerful, self-sufficient, in control. Here's what God says about that in Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious about the year of drought. It does not cease to bear fruit. And then this last little verse, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick who can understand it. I'm telling you, our hearts are very deceitful, aren't they? And I'm telling you, even in this service, between the enemy and your heart, when you know you got to get things right with God, and it comes down to making a decision, and you let pride stand in the way. You let fear stand in the way. Our hearts can be very deceitful, but there's people praying for you, and you're in a great atmosphere now where um, God can do some great things and crush some things in your life. If you want to crush that spirit of self-sufficiency, I'm telling you, you got to surrender to Jesus Christ. The you in the word crush is understand. Say understand you got to understand what God says about you. First, you got to understand there is a God, okay? I mean, just think of, just go out in nature and just stand there a moment. Nature cries out that there's a creator. I mean, the, the thoughts that there was a big bang and things started to be created, I mean, that's as bad as sensible as the alphabet exploding and making the dictionary. I mean, it, it just don't happen. When you look at things, there's not one blade of grass that's the same. There's not one wave of the ocean that's the same. There's not one grain of sand that's the same. As a matter of fact, there's not one person in the world. Everybody has a different fingerprint. Evolution would think there'd be some sort of a, you know, we'd all be almost exactly the same. I mean, I, my uncle passed away, and I'm kind of over the estate, and this is probably going to be on his auction, but he's got a, a pocket wash he bought uh, he, he went all kinds of auctions and bought stuff. And, and when you open it up, and on that one side, it opens up to the inside. And man, you see the little gears in there. The little, I think there's 17 jewels or something. I don't even know how they're made. But you look at that, and you think, somebody created that. Look at the human body. I mean, you, you nurses and people that work in the medical field are just in, I mean, just the eye itself and all those things. I'm telling you, there had to be a creator. There just really is. And you know, as a matter of fact, God said he put eternity inside you. There's something inside you that knows there's more to this world than what we see. As a matter of fact, this is temporary. What we don't see is going to be the real thing when heaven comes down to earth and, there's, uh, and what we call life is over and there's no more time anymore. Amen? But you've got to understand, there's an enemy out there. Just as much as there's a God, there's an enemy that hates you, that comes about to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to do everything he can to try to crush you in any way he can. And you know, you might have heard from the time you were born. You, rem all, you remember hearing something like, you know what? You were just a mistake. We weren't planning on having a child. You know, you were just a mistake. You know, you're never going to amount to anything. I don't know what's been said over your life. But you know what God says? God says, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that I knew what I was doing when I knit you together in your mother's womb. And the enemy might say you're a failure. And God says, no, I want you to be a success. As a matter of fact, the plans I have for you are plans of a hope and a future. To prosper you and to be successful. Amen. That's what God's saying about you.
If you want to crush some lies in your life, you need to understand what God has done for you and what he's going to do for you. God loved the world so much. He loved you so much that he gave his only son. What happened on that cross? I mean, it was a terrible thing. But he did that if you'd have been the only person here. That's how much he loves you. You've got to understand that. And you've got to understand that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. When you have Jesus in your life, greater is he in you than he that is in the world. But you're more than a conqueror. What's that mean? I've used this illustration before, but I think it paints a great picture. There's an MMA fighter that's going to go into the ring, and his payoff is going to be $5 million. So he trains. Man, it's worth getting beat up a little bit. He goes into that ring. They go through one round. I mean, it's ground and pound, and then they're up punching each other, and he's bleeding, and they're both bleeding. It goes back and forth. You think, oh, maybe he's going to win. Oh, and he's not going to win. Finally, they get to the end. Bing, the bell rings. And even the judges are not quite sure what's going to happen. And they turn in their tallies. They're in the middle of the ring. The ref's in the middle of them. He holds up that guy's hand, the champion. And he is a conqueror, isn't he? He defeated that guy. He defeated that guy he was training for. But then they hand him that $5 million check. He gets a big smile on his face, holds it for about 10 seconds, walks over and hands it to his wife. She's more than a conqueror. Right? She didn't get bloody or anything. I'm telling you... What Jesus did on that cross, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. But we're more than conquerors. We didn't have to do that. We couldn't even earn it. And God gave that to us. Understand what God has to say, you, you know, about you. And he's given you everything we need. He really has. I'm telling you that word, you look in there, he's given us the armor of God that I pray you put on every morning, that your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your loins are girt about with truth. You have on the breastplate of righteousness. That means it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ that gets us, keeps us right with God. We have the helmet of salvation we can put on where the enemy can't talk you out of being saved. Man, I am saved and I know it. Jesus came into my life, he's never gonna leave me, he's never gonna forsake me. And most of all, I have the shield of faith. When the enemy comes and tries to lie to you, when he tries to use fear and talk you out of things, that shield of faith will rise up and say, no, you won't, enemy. And the greatest thing of all is the sword of the Spirit. Let me hear you pull it out of your sheath. One more time. We got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, where you can tell the enemy, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment shall be shown in the wrong. And a matter of fact, I can walk on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm me. I'm telling you, if God is for you, who can be against you? You got to understand what God has to say about you. He wants you to walk in victory. And the S is sell out. Say sell out. That means committed to Christ, okay? It's like the chicken and the pig were having this talk about the homeless community, and we need to do something to help them out. And the chicken comes up with this idea. He says, you know what? We need to have an egg and ham breakfast for them and help feed the homeless. Well, the pig kind of looked at him and said, you know, I know that's a sacrifice for you, but that's a commitment for me. You need to sell out for Jesus Christ. You really do. And we do need to give our lives to Christ, I mean, it's one of those things that I don't know why I didn't do that the first time I heard it, the message. I just kind of had that thought, well, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I don't want to be part of the God squad or, you know, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have any fun anymore. You know what I did? I gave up rags for riches. I gave up dirt for diamonds. I gave, I'm telling you, you can have more fun being a Christian and you don't have to wake up with a hangover. Amen? And you know where you parked your car. And, oh, it's, I'm telling you, it's worth serving Christ. It really is. you got to sell out. And we're talking about, there was a time in my life where I asked Jesus to be my Savior, where 
He was kind of my spare tire, fire insurance. You know, if I get in trouble, oh, God, help me. And, you know, when this is all over, you know, hopefully I can go to heaven because I asked him into my life. But I wasn't following him. I just made him Savior. See, Jesus not only wants to be your Savior. Matter of fact, he has to be Savior and what? And Lord. See, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And so you really, and you can't just keep a part of it. I mean, this is not Burger King where you have it your way. I mean, you can't do the payment plan. I'll give you 60% now and a little more next year. You know, a matter of fact, in real estate, you could have 10 acres of land. And if you keep one acre in the middle, you know what? You can build a road to go in and out there, even if you sell everything else. When you keep that little spot in your heart, you've given the enemy access to build a road to come in and out of your life. That's why it's, I'm telling you, it's worth selling out to Christ. Half-hearted Christianity is boring. It really is. When I was trying to straddle the fence, one foot in the world and out of the world, that's when the struggle was. That's when I didn't really have peace in my life. I'm telling you, it was worth just going all in for Jesus. And I said half-hearted Christianity is boring. I mean, how good is a half a hat? It just don't work so good. And how far are you going to make it down the road with a half a license plate? Not going to help much, is it? Half a tennis ball? Play tennis? Don't work so good. Or, you know, you got the half a koozie. I mean, you keep half the drink cold. But yet we kind of hand these things to God like our life. Oh, well, you can have part of me, Lord. He wants all of you, and you can trust him with all of your life. You really can. That's when the Christian life gets exciting. So if you want to see some things crushed in your life, you need to get off the fence and go all in for Jesus. Matter of fact, he says, seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Amen? Amen. And lastly, the letter H, hold on. Say, hold on. I'm telling you. Those of you that raised your hand, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. But let me tell you something. You were just handed the free gift. What kind of gift? Free. That means you can't earn it. Jesus paid the price for it. The free gift of salvation. And you got a hold of that. I don't want you to keep a hold of it. Hold on to Christ. Never let go. Because here's what's going to happen. You got a hold of your salvation. You got a hold of Jesus. And you'll walk out of here. Matter of fact, you'll walk out with a little bit of a skip in your step. You'll feel good. Maybe a smile on your face. You're feeling pretty good. Yeah. I know something happened there. And then you get out to the car and you're excited and you'll, you'll tell your wife, hey, let's go out to eat. Matter of fact, let's go to Taco Tico. She says, that line is way too long. We're not going there. So, okay, okay, we'll wait. We'll wait till it calms down a little bit. Hey, let's go to Roadhouse. You know I have an allergy to peanuts and just the smell of them, I can't stand. And you go back and forth and finally you just get upset and say, why can't you ever help me make a decision? And you start, the enemy pries it out of your hand. You start feeling bad. And then you go through the week and you do something you said you weren't going to do again that was crushed on that car. And the enemy pries it out. And then the enemy starts saying, see, you're not really a Christian. That was just some emotional experience. I mean, and he pries it open again. And by the end of the week, you've totally let go. But you get up the courage. You come back to church again. Pastor John's here next week. And he says, man, when you ask Jesus Christ in life, he says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It says in 1 John 5, when you ask Christ, you can know where you'll spend eternity. And he tells you some more encouraging things. And pretty soon you walk out of here again. Oh, man, thank you, Jesus. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. But what happens the next week? Same process, the enemy comes, and he's discouraging you. And he says, oh, as a matter of fact, this time, it gets to the end of the week, and you're sick, and you can't go to church, or you go on vacation or something. And now you go a couple weeks, and now you feel like you hear that voice that, you don't need to go to church, you're just a hypocrite. Or you don't need to read your Bible. I mean, you know, 
All that stuff comes from the enemy. It's called condemnation. It pushes you away from the things of God. The Holy Spirit will say, yeah, you messed up. Now get to church. Or yeah, you messed up. Now read your word and I can help you. So you got to hold on and don't let go. Be like a bulldog. They got their nose slanted backwards so they can grab onto something and not let go. And I'm going to tell you, don't let the enemy pry it out of your hand. Any of God's promises. And there's a lot of promises in there for you. There's promises for healing. There's promises for victory as far as deliverance. See, some of you struggle with some addictions and some things. And I'm going to believe today that thing gets crushed. But it's going to take a decision and a step on your part too. Let me close with this. I'm going to leave this last scripture first. Joshua 22. We read it yesterday in our Bible reading guide. Be very careful to obey all the commands and instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Obey his commandments. Hold firmly to him. Serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Jesus will help you do that. The power of the Holy Spirit will come in and help you to do those things. So I'm going to close on one more time. I want to kind of ask you, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? I know those who raised their hand, but there could be somebody that's just still kind of holding back. First of all, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, okay? So let's say um, you got a job at Taco Tico. I don't know why I'm plugging them today. But you got a job there and worked there for a week. At the end of the week, they'd have to pay you a what? A wage. And if they didn't, you could take them to court. The Bible says God has to pay you a wage if you sin. If you were to tell a million lies, how many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. If you were to commit a million sins, how many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? We've all sinned, right? God has to pay you a wage, a separation from him, his love, to a place called hell that was designed for the devil and the demons, the third of the angels that followed him because he rebelled against God. But that's why God made a way through the cross, and gave us the gift of eternal life. As a matter of fact, for these lights to come on today, what's more important, that the light bill was paid and we have power, or that we flip the switch on? You know, kind of a back and forth question. If you don't pay the power bill, you can flip that switch all you want. But you flip that switch, what am I saying? The power has been paid, right? It was paid for on that cross. Your debt has been paid for on that cross, but you have to flip the switch. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Everybody can be God's creation, but not everybody's a child of God. You become a child of God when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. And so today, one more time, only this time, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. As a matter of fact, those of you that already raised your hand, you're going to help a few more people. I think there's still a couple people. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And why do I do that? Because this is what's going to crush the enemy under your feet. This is what's going to make it real. This will separate from the men from the mice. And this is going to say, this is going to cause the enemy to start to tremble. Because Jesus said, if you stand before men, confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny me before my Father. First of all, how many in this room have done a bold step like this already and done something public like, like this? I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing you can do. And the church is going to cheer for you. The angels in heaven are going to cheer for you. So on the count of three, if you already raised your hand earlier, or if you didn't, but you want to ask Christ in your life or get things right again, you stand to your feet. And I'm telling you, all of heaven's going to rejoice for you. One, two, three. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Those of you who raised your hand and we're going to. God bless you. Amen. Give them a hand clap.
Amen. 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 We're so proud of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can sit back down. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Pastor Travis is at the very back of the building. And wave at Pastor Travis. Go back and look at him. He's that sharp-looking guy. Almost as good-looking as me. If you get a haircut like me. But... Now, he's going to go back to the Connect Cafe. And he just got a little packet he wants to give you. Matter of fact, I want some of our church members. You don't have to be on the altar team. Just somebody who wants to go back and just fill out one little simple card. Take your book and they're going to say one prayer for you. And they're going to uh, just help you with this walk. Amen. So in just a moment, I ask you to stand up. Just those that raise your hand. Follow Pastor Travis. But what do you say we all say this prayer one more time? Okay. Just to make it official for everybody. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Change me. Help me to follow you. And give me the power to do it by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Are you ready to go back to that cafe? We're so proud of you. We're going to clap all the way. Amen. And even if you've done this before, but we want to get that packet to you. Okay, those of you that raise your hand, stand to your feet. Everybody else, stand to your feet. Follow Pastor Travis. The rest of you, I just want to close with another prayer here before we go. But go ahead. Those that raise your hand, head to the back of the church, and you're going to go to the cafe for just a few minutes. And a matter of fact, as those that go to the cafe or those in here, if there's something you want to see crushed in your life, there's still some of those stickers. You can ride on it, walk out to that car we didn't crush, stick it on there. And again, you can come back later, go get you something to eat and come back and see it live or get it on, online. But before we close, and I felt strong about that for this service, there's some things that you know you need crushed in your life. And you've been coming to church a while. And you keep kind of stumbling over it. The enemy continues to use it. And you need to see the change in your life. But you need to do something different. You can't do the same thing over and over and expect different results. And for some of you, you've never really come to the altar. I mean, you kind of walk out and you, you kind of take the prayer Pastor John does and whatever. But some of you are in a situation where you need a miracle in some area of your life a relationship, a, a, a sickness in your body, a wayward child, whatever the case may be. You know, I'm going to ask you, when Pastor Zach starts to sing, just to come stand up here and just give it to God. Just that act of faith that you walk up here is just devil, no more, and it's nothing. We're not going to do anything else, but I'm going to say a prayer. Just walk up here. Just say something to the Lord and just walk here believing that God is for you and he's going to help you get a breakthrough in whatever area it is. So, Father, we want to thank you that you're going to help us Here's a scripture that we had to start with. That the God of peace will crush Satan under whose feet? Under your feet. That means there's a step you have to take, something you have to do. And for you today, it might be just taking a step of faith and believing God to do that. So, Lord, we're going to believe these things crushed under our feet. Whatever the enemy has, whatever we're doing that continues to kind of hold us back, Lord, that today we're going to believe for victory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So if you want to see something crushed, I mean, you can write it on that card, stick it on that card. But some of you need to come up and just stand here for a moment and just lift your hands and say, God, I surrender, I worship, I trust you, devil no more, you're under my feet. In Jesus' name, amen.